Well, good morning again. <clears throat> we, uh, we explored a bit over uh, Maundy Thursday and Good Friday, the events leading up to Jesus' death. And one of the themes that we drew out was the notion of evil. And how, if you look at it from a certain perspective, evil expends itself on Jesus. Or to put it another way, the things leading up to Jesus' public torture and execution is the result of the broad spectrum of evil. And so you see things like betrayal. You see um, manipulation. And not only that, but manipulation and deceit, lying by like the religious elite, the chief priests of the temple, who should have known better, and honestly probably did know better. Which leads to a different kind of evil, just sort of that, that willful evil. You also see elements of the big bad, the, the empire, um, the, 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 the Roman Empire in its attempt to exert absolute authority over its subjects, including chewing them up if they get inconvenient. And it does not matter how helpless and innocent those may, excuse me, may be. So when Pontius Pilate and Jesus are facing down each other, that's exactly what's happening. You have empire and the little guy. You see mocking and dehumanization. And you see despair. And so evil, in a sense, exhausts itself on Jesus. Now, it doesn't take the writings of Apostle Paul or the great philosophers or anything like that uh, to come to the conclusion that the final weapon or tool of evil with a capital E is death. If you want to look at it from like that, the, the standpoint of empire, the, the final tool that empire uses to keep people in line is death. That death is probably the greatest threat that a person could make against somebody else. There's a reason why that's illegal. Because it, it I don't want to say the sum total of evil, but it is the natural progression of evil. Now, the other thing to notice here is that as these events and these people committing these heinous acts of evil, the Bible will often call that sin. That if you take a step back, you will, you'll start to see that, that what happens to Jesus' evil is greater than the sum total of its parts. In other words, for evil to use its full array of tricks and tools, there is a lot that has to go together and work together 
to result in Jesus' death. And if you think about it really carefully, you'll start to realize that evil is taking on a personality, a persona. That it's not just these individual acts, but it's, there's something else pulling the strings behind it. Evil takes on a personality. Now, you can see this in other events in history. Um, and, and when we talk about it like that, I, when I, and when I say evil, I don't mean the little things, like um, kid grows up in an abusive household, he goes off to school and becomes a bully. I think we can all agree that, that there's plenty of evil there, but this isn't evil with a capital E. I'm talking about evil like the Holocaust, where, yeah, you can split that up and you can analyze the different personalities and ideas and how they all kind of come swarming together to produce this horrific act of evil. Um, but when you take a step back, you realize, man, there's just something darker here happening. That evil with a capital E is greater than the sum total of its parts. And it's ultimate tool, of course, is death. The ultimate result of sin and the evil that human beings do to each other. Which is why Jesus and his death takes on the significance it does. Because evil throws everything it has onto Jesus. It exhausts itself on Jesus. It does everything it can to take Jesus down. And if Jesus had remained in that tomb and his disciples had come and found that the tomb was in fact not empty, but there he was, this would have been the end of the story. But when that tomb is discovered to be empty... And evil, having given everything it had to keep Jesus there, then Jesus gets the last word. That this is actually a victory. I mean, if somebody comes at you with everything that they have, and you are still standing, you win. That's how it works. And so in this big, grand, cosmic scale, we call Easter this victory over sin and death because it has nothing else to claim on Jesus. Not even death, the final and most terrifying of tools that evil has, could hold Jesus down. That is a big victory. And that is a victory that has reverberated out throughout the millennia. And, and followers of Jesus from then on have gone to live as though death does not have the final word. That if they are baptized into Jesus, they are buried with him and they are raised, they are given God's spirit. Their sins, the evil they have committed is forgiven and they are new creation. They are part of that newness. And they lived like that. And over the last 2,000 years, they have, we have changed the course of human history. 
all because we dare live as though God has defeated death in Jesus. That is good news. That's not what I'm going to focus on for the next few minutes. Because those are the big things. That's evil with a capital E. Death with a capital D. Like that's, those are the big things. The stuff that makes it on the news and into history books. I am willing to bet that most days when we go about our lives, we don't encounter evil with a capital E. We don't encounter death personified. And if we have, or if we do, it's probably going to be some of those life-defining moments when we see evil converging. In fact, the, for, for us, as just regular human beings, the scarier thing it's just the little moments. You wake up in the morning and the alarm is going off. And if you're like me, mornings feel like death anyway. <laughs> but you wake up and you realize, uh, another day. Great. You have your breakfast and it's dull. You drive to work or you get the kids ready for school. And it's just the same old frustration. You encounter your coworkers who have their own idiosyncratic ways, their own issues, their own emotional damage that gets inflicted onto you. So in small ways, you feel the pulse of that evil coming at you. But it's not big. You find yourself going to the store and taking care of things around the house and filing your taxes and all of that, and you just find yourself going, what's the point? Who cares? Why am I even doing this? That's a little death. That's a little hint, a little sense, a little suggestion that something is not right here. That me as a human being, I'm not thriving, I am not living as though I know I could. But then when you take a little bit deeper look, if you have the courage to, and not everybody does, not always, you look into your heart, you think about your life, your actions, you reflect on the way you go about into the world, and, and you see that, man, I'm, I'm as culpable as, as Bob in accounting. No offense to Bob's nor accountants. I 
But you look at, at yourself, your life, you look at things that, that started out as curiosities that became fascinations that actually grew into habits that grew into monsters, to demons that are trying to consume you from the inside out and you don't know what to do. You think about the ways that if you're being really honest, you're actually the problem. I'm actually the problem. And you see that, that while evil with a capital E, that, that big, uh, those, those big moments where evil converges, like maybe you are or aren't a part of that, but boy, you can see yourself in certain aspects. Like, like the, the big personalities of evil and death that lead to Jesus' torture and execution. Like, I mean, you didn't do all of that. But if you betrayed somebody, yeah. Have you manipulated? Have I manipulated? Have I used my position to my advantage? Yeah. And when I go about my daily life, I'm just kind of wondering what's the point? Maybe I'm getting sucked into the lies that evil, sin, and death have whispered into my ear for a very long time. So Jesus, in, um, in taking the full force of evil and death onto his back, as it turns out, it, it, this is not just like an interesting story. Jesus acts like a sponge, a special kind of sponge that soaks it up, or, or like, a, like a syringe that draws venom out of a wound, or like the hero in a really good story who takes on the enemy alone so that those behind him have a chance to escape. And Jesus' defeat over death like made very, very real to his disciples when they go and they realize that tomb is not there. And then they encounter Jesus. And then Jesus has breakfast with them. Signifies that something has shifted and something has changed. But it's not just in the big things. It's not just so that when we die, we have a promise we're in Jesus. That's true. But it is not. That is not the only point of Easter Sunday. Because what Easter Sunday says, its message that it proclaims, is that all of those moments of evil, within your own hearts and actions, within your thoughts, within those habits that have grown to consume us, within those little deaths that we die every single day as we engage in the slugfest that sometimes life can be, all of those things in light of Easter Sunday are in a very real way temporary. Because first off, we know that if, G if death did not get the last word over Jesus, it will not have the last word over me. 
that if I am buried in my baptism with Jesus and I am raised to walk a new life, something has changed and that animating spirit and power that causes Jesus' life to <gasps> breathe again is, at live, is alive and at work in me. Which means that when I find myself just dragged to the ground with the weight of life or the weight of my own shame or the weight of these habits that consume me or the shame that I have experienced or the things that you, not you specifically, but anybody has done to me, that doesn't get the final word. Because a story is always shaped by its ending. And so the proclamation, the promise, and the power of Easter and its victory over death is that it is a reality that we have now. That when sin and shame and evil come right into our hearts or smack us in the face or just bore us to death on a long drive to work, we have this growing power, this working spirit in our hearts that says this is not what defines us. This is not who we are. And if God can take the sum total of evil that our shared humanity is capable of, focused in on a single man resulting and climaxing in his death, and God can take that and transform it into new life, then God can do the same in this moment and every moment. That God can do it and will do it regardless of whether or not we think it's possible. Regardless of whether or not we have the strength or energy or courage to hope. And in doing so, God has created this people, what we will eventually call the church, for 2,000 years have lived as though not just death has been defeated on some final day, but death has been defeated today. My sin and shame has been defeated today. My identity has been shaped and reformed today. My darkness, my evil died with Jesus. And, it, and I live today. 